in India, there is uh, a doctor for every 11,600 people. In, in America, every, every 300 people has a doctor. Hey everyone, welcome to What in the World. Uh, this is a podcast all about what God is doing right here and around the globe. My name is Jake Lee and I'm your host and this is episode seven. And I just wanted to remind you guys that if you have found this podcast encouraging, if it's been educating to you, or if you just find it entertaining, please share it, rate it, comment. Um, This is really important because in order for people to find this podcast, uh, you need to share it. And the purpose of that isn't so that this can become more popular and... Well, I mean, also, it's not so I can just talk to myself or even that I can just interview people. And I love interviewing people. I love, you know, learning and being encouraged from these interviews. They've been really impactful to me. But the purpose of this podcast is that other people could be encouraged, that other people could be mobilized. That's a big deal. Like We want people's perspectives to be broadened, but we also want people, like I said, to be mobilized. We want to mobilize God's people to be part of what he's doing. And I get to play a small part in that. And I'm really excited for that. So we want to get this podcast in front of as many people as possible. So once again, just rate it and share it with people you think that this would be, they would enjoy it. So last week I got to interview Shantani. That was part one of a two-part interview. And this is going to be part two. But last week, we talked all about the Emanuel Hospital Association and the relationship at Elmbrook Church has been able to co-partner with them over the last 20 years. And so that was a more historical look. And today, we're going to talk about a current look on what's happening right now with the Emanuel Hospital Association in India. And as I say that, I have to give a caveat because the reality is in COVID or Corona season, whatever you want to call it, pandemic season, Things change on a dime. Things are changing constantly. Like when I first recorded this, India was in a hardcore lockdown, like just crazy, which we talk about that in this podcast a little. And then as I'm recording this part of the podcast, because I recorded them separately, they're actually open. India's open right now and trying to get the economy back on track with cases skyrocketing right now in India. So honestly, by the time this release, it could be the opposite and India could be closed down again. So take that with a grain of salt. But the stories we talk about in this podcast really focus on what God's doing and how Christians are seeking to love the poor and are trying to be innovative and adapt in this season. And so that, no matter what, I think is very relevant and why this podcast is worth listening to. But the fact that India is constantly changing as I'm putting this podcast together, uh, take current with, you know, a grain of salt. Yeah, this next part, actually, we're going to dive into before the main interview with Shantani. I get to do the cultural blunder section. And so if you've listened to this podcast, you know that we throw this part in there because the reality when you're doing ministry, especially cross-cultural ministry, you're going to be awkward. You're going to make mistakes. And that's just par for the course. That's just how it goes. And so today you guys get to listen to how I messed up and I made a blunder. So let's tune into that real quick. This story takes place uh, shortly after I had returned from China for a year. When I was in China, I was very young. I obviously made a ton of cultural blunders and mistakes, said things I shouldn't have, did things I didn't, wore things I shouldn't wear. Uh, But I was approaching that very much humbly and as a learner when I was in China because I knew I didn't really know anything. And so I should have carried that attitude when I came back to America and was doing college ministry. 
but instead I became a little prideful and like, oh, I get this, this is my culture, I understand how to do this. And I also had the prideful notion that I understand Chinese culture now, so I'm gonna go meet Chinese students. And part of what I was doing was trying to launch an international student ministry. I was in the campus at my university and looking around, trying, you know, scoping out for a foreign student. And I saw one and I was like, sweet, let's go meet this guy. Let's go talk to him. He's sitting by himself. He looks lonely. So I went over there. I introduced myself. I said, hey, I'm Jake. Um, I'd love to sit and chat if you're cool with that. And the guy was like, yeah, sit down, go for it. And so we sat down, we started talking. And very quickly into the conversation, I realized I had made a huge assumption and a very dumb mistake. Um, I asked him, where are you from? And the guy replies immediately, oh, Wausau. And my brain starts turning and realizing what I've done. And I'm like, oh, oh so you were born in Wausau? And he's like, yeah, I was born in Wausau. And I realized that I had just hardcore stereotyped a guy that looked Asian that I thought was Chinese. And turns out this guy is an American. He grew up in America. His family's been in America for generations. And I just profiled him. So that was obviously incredibly embarrassing. I think I turned red, continued the conversation. Like I knew he was American the whole time and kept going. But internally, I knew that I had judged somebody and I had made a big mistake. So that was really embarrassing, but from that, I learned that I need to continue to have this humble attitude no matter where I am. If I'm in my home country, if I'm abroad, I need to be humble because the reality is I don't know everyone's story and for me to make assumptions about people is not correct. Obviously, from that point, I've made lots of other cultural blunders and you'll probably get to hear more of them in future podcasts. But for now, that is my, one of my cultural blunders. The whole world, there's crazy things going on with COVID. But specifically in India with these hospitals, these hospitals are now being put in positions where they are seeing people that no one else will see, where the government hospitals are having to turn people away. Is that correct? It, it is yes and no. Because yes, yes it, is be, it is correct because there are people whom they get to see uh, that don't have anywhere else to go. And no, because uh, the government has shut down everything, including mm. some of these hospitals. And so the, tra the treatment that they do, uh, very few people can actually come to the hospital for treatment, even though they need treatment because they're not allowed to leave their homes. So you're running into a lockdown situation, which is incredibly complicated. Very complicated and very sad also because the government on a dime, shut down the whole country. Millions yeah. of people who have worked in the cities now had to find their ways back home. More than 200 people died just from walking over hundreds of kilometers back home without food, without provision. Could you actually elaborate, like, yeah, well, what happened in India? What was this shutdown? When the government shut down the country, I think it was around March 23rd, Millions of workers, migrant workers, who people who had left villages, their rural areas to come to the cities to work now had nowhere to go because they didn't have money to pay rent or even find a place to stay. So they all started walking back home because there was no transportation to go back home. All the buses were shut down, all the trains were shut down, you know, so all public transport was shut down. So all of these millions of people walking back, many of them died just walking. Some of them were run over by trucks because they just slept on the road and they were run over by vehicles. Many of them uh, of starvation. Uh, sickness. Yeah. So it was a really tragic situation, just the way the government shut down the whole country. And so now you have people in the rural areas 
without money no food there's no way to live farmers committing suicide in the rural areas because they have no way to pay their bills so the the situation in india right now is just very tragic for the poor it's not the same for the middle class and upper class but for the poor it's very very tragic sure and for the most of this podcast when we're going to be talking we're going to be referring to the poor which is a huge segment of the population and what they're having yeah. to go through. Yeah. You've been part of Elmbrook's mission program for over 20 or about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And you also have led multiple teams to India. You've been part of an India focus group. I'm guessing you also have a stronger connection to India than that as well. Yeah. And what is that? I grew up in India. So. <laughs> So you're coming from this not just as someone who's kind of been an outsider looking in, but someone who is heavily invested, knows this country, has spent a lot of time there, and is a big passion for you. Yeah. Yeah. In India, you're running into this situation where obviously you have the government making these decisions that are affecting people like on a dime. But then hospitals are actually shutting down and closing, but this is one of the few that's still operating. So this particular organization has about 20 hospitals. And really, these 20 hospitals are in the northern part of India, in very, very uh, rural places. Each hospital kind of caters to tens of thousands of people. So it's kind of really overwhelming when you even think of the scope of that those hospitals mm-hmm. they cater to these very very poor people who walk for miles bringing their patients to this hospital these hospitals many of them were missionary hospitals and then when the indian government kicked out missionaries uh, these hospitals were shut down because there was no one to run them or anything yeah. and then there was there was one missionary called dr howard seal so he decided that if we could get Indian doctors to be missionaries and man these hospitals and put a structure around them that uh, helped them to do that, then we could do that. So he started this thing called Emmanuel Hospital Association, okay. run by Indians, everything. Fast forward to today, now when the government has sent everybody back to their rural, to their hometowns, there's millions of people stuck yeah. without food, without work, without, you know, they're poor people. They live in under the poverty line. Yeah. Uh, these hospitals are now their only place to go for anything. You're seeing medical workers all over the world uh, who right. are focusing on these things, trying to combat COVID. But this is unique. There's a, there's a certain fearlessness that is, you know, that it's it's kind of, it's very strange because they are ex- extremely anxious. You know, like when I talk to some mm. of these doctors, you can hear the anxiety because sure. they know they are putting themselves in into a very dangerous situation, into a situation where they don't have, you know, personal protective equipment, you know, none of that. Into a situation where they they're making masks out of fabric, they're making gowns out of garbage uh, bags and sheets of plastic and raincoats. They don't have the resources. They don't have the kind of resources that our hospitals would have. Now with the government lockdown, they cannot even get those resources. So they're really, each hospital 
is coming up with its own unique uh, ways of meeting the needs of their hospitals. That itself is really overwhelming. But then you add the the other part of, you know, in India, there is uh, a doctor for every 11,600 people. Hmm. In, in wow. America, every every 300 people has a doctor. You know, if you passed it out and, you know, and so here you're talking of huge numbers. You, you know, hospitals, you don't have those kind of hospitals. You don't have. So when, when you talk to an EHA doctor in that situation, there is that that anxiety and the fear of how are we going to manage. But there's also a kind of fearlessness of God has been with us. Yeah. Uh, he's taken care of us and he's going to walk with us. Now, their confidence is just so incredible. It, it just humbles me every time I talk to them. Normally, when you're looking at that many patients per doctor, and then you have the governmental hospitals shut down. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, they, like, I, I can't even imagine what the patient-to-doctor ratio is right now. Like, I, I don't understand how that could even work or even fathom that right. many people per doctor. Well, I, you know, it, it's incredible, normally speaking. You know, right now, they, people are shut in their homes. So they, the a police beats them, beat them up if they mm. come out. They, they, they don't have patients coming in. So who, who does come into the hospital then? How does that work? I think when there's real, like, for example, there were recently one of the hospitals talked about how there was someone, a, a child who was burned, mm. you know, had burns all over his body. None of the other hospitals would take them and the police allowed them to bring that person into the hospital and there was treatment for them. But otherwise, the government has stopped people from leaving their homes. So yeah, it, it's it's really sad because people, it's the poor people. Mm-hmm. These are the people whom EHA deals with. It's the poor people who are suffering and they're suffering inside their homes. The, the fear is one COVID virus becomes bigger yeah. than it is right now then those hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. So what they do right now is they have little triage centers outside the hospital gates where they're taking temperature, where they're helping people. You know, if people are coming in with symptoms, they're at least uh, triaging them at the gate and doing that, that, some, that kind of work with them. And these are the Emanuel hospitals? These are the Emanuel hospitals. The government hospitals are also doing this. It's not like they're not. But... Again, the need is so great in India. So, and and people's trust also. Yeah, they trust the Christian hospitals. Is there anything else you want to share about what they are doing right now, um, or maybe ways we can be praying for them right now? One of the big ways is just uh, for them to find creative ways of uh, helping the communities around them. You know, with with the lockdown, it means that they also cannot get into some of these sure. communities. But they are finding creative ways of going into the communities and uh, providing food. I mean, it's like $27 provides a food package that feeds a family for a whole month. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, but it's just $27, that kind of thing, right? So they're trying to put together these bags of food for families. So uh, pray, pray for creative ways of helping. Pray for protection, whether it's protection from the police or protection from fundamentalist mobs that kind of, uh, there was a story, this is not an EHA story, but it's a story of another Christian group that was handing out food and a a fundamental uh, mob 
surrounded them and threatened mm. them. They had to, you know, they, the police came and then they were not allowed to distribute meals because they were like, you're, you're a lot of Christians, you can't do this here. Oh, wow. There definitely is a rising persecution. So pray for protection. Sure. I pray, pray even for protection with, you know, when they start dealing with the virus. And the number of VHA hospitals have been uh, identified as centers uh, by the government that once the virus starts kicking up in India, that people can be sent to these centers. And so, but, you know, they need more resources than they have in dealing with it. Why in the world? In this section of the podcast, we try to answer the question, why? Why do these doctors have confidence in God? Why do they have this fearlessness about them? The answers I would give is that God has faithfully blessed them. And God has also commanded them, commanded us to care for the hurting. And I say these things because this is what I hear these doctors saying. And this is also what I see in scripture. So to start with, in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then in Matthew 25.35-40, it says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. Scripture very clearly talks about this confidence in God and this idea of caring for the hurting. And now if we turn just for a minute to the words of the doctors and the staff of the Emanuel Hospital Association, we're going to see that same desire to care for the hurting, to care for the least of these, and to have confidence in God. This confidence comes through story after story of God healing, of God working through the surgeon's hands and seeing people recover who shouldn't. Like the story of a four-year-old girl who had swallowed a piece of jewelry and the equipment to remove it was broken and the nearest hospital was too expensive to go to. So the surgeons ended up using uh, forceps that miraculously fit perfectly into the jewelry that was lodged into the lung removing it. There's also stories of those with uh, brain damage recovering who shouldn't have, those who had fatal snake bites somehow miraculously recovering as well. There's also story after story of people coming to faith because of the care of the doctors and how those with cancer who had no hope and whose families had given up hope now had found real hope besides physical hope. Yet in so many other scenarios, there is death, there is pain, there is incredible loss and maybe feelings of hopelessness. But in light of that, I want to end this segment of the podcast with a quote from one of the doctors at the Emanuel Hospital Association, Dr. Prabhu, and how he is viewing this season of COVID in India. I worry about every staff member and their families, hoping they will not be affected. I worry about our kids and the older people on the campus. However, to worry also belittles our God who is capable of resolving this crisis and more at this time. I can only look at him as a solution. I believe we are here because God brought us here and he will be the one to lead us through. We need each other and we need him to hold us together as we battle this out. I thank God for keeping us alive. 
I thank him for giving me life, a good family, an excellent hospital team to work with, people who care for us, and an amazing calling to be there for people in need. I can only be thankful to be alive while many have not seen another day. I also realize how frail humanity is. While we marvel at what we have achieved, we are here battling a strand of nucleic acid that threatens to bring us down. Bringing us to our knees, looking to God, is probably the best outcome of this pandemic. Reminding us of how insignificant we are, yet how precious we are in God's eyes if we call out to him. This has been Why in the World. So right now, as we're recording this podcast, you haven't seen that uptick in India yet. You're seeing, am I correct in saying that? There's an uptick in the uh, in the cities. So like Mumbai okay. has a you know uptick, but you haven't seen the same thing in the rural areas. A large portion, I just talked to a friend of mine who's a doctor in India this morning, and she was saying a large reason is we don't have testing. So they right? don't know if it's actually already there. Yeah, yeah. So most of the patients they're seeing right now are actually not, I mean, it could be related to COVID, but other things as well. Like you talked about an infant who was burnt or just basic life things and things that you exactly. need to go to the hospital for. They're the ones who are seeing that. that. Yeah. But moving forward, if we do, like, obviously we don't want to see this, but if you do see a huge uptick in the rural areas as well, they are the ones who are going to have to be responding to that. Yeah, and that's where you pray for creativity. Yeah, you know, no because <laughs> they are. It is incredible to me the way they have used resources or found ways of making things happen. Or yeah, could you give one example of that? I just think that would be really interesting, like a, a creative way that they had to deal with an issue. Well, you know, at a very basic thing, this whole thing of even making personal protective equipment. You yeah. know, where they are using uh, garbage bags for uh, head coverings and where they're using uh, shower curtains or uh, sheets of plastic to make, to actually sew plastic coverings that uh, uh, clothes uh, for, to, uh, to protect doctors and the nurses. So, you know, those kind of just like, what do we have in our environment? What can we use? What can we, you know, make happen? Um, yeah. I could tell you some other things, but I don't want those hospitals to get into trouble. <laughs> yeah, let's let's save those stories for when we're not recording. <laughs> exactly. I'm also hearing my son in the background going, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear him or not, but I can. It's <laughs> fun working from home. I think this is what makes it fun. All right. I'm trying to think, is there anything else you want to you want to say or make sure we know before we wrap this up? Well, I'm I'm here. I'm just looking at uh, this one of these hospitals that has been identified as a COVID place. I'm just looking at their website, and they're they're talking about how 170 people uh, have been tested positive, and many of them are returning from foreign countries. So the government hospital takes the sample, with, and the government hospital is 75 miles away. So they take the sample, send the sample to the government hospital 75 miles away. So they're a designated facility, but they don't have any standard certified PPE kits. They're stitching oh, wow. their own. Even, even the ones they have ordered can't come to them because the government has shut down the whole place. They have a limited number of surgical masks and, and about 10 N95 masks for the whole hospital. 
I wanted to make sure we understood that you said 10 N95 masks. And have built isolation cabins in a general ward out of plywood. That's innovative. (laughs) Yeah. And we have five private rooms being prepared to be used for COVID-19 cases. Their hospital outpatient is open. They're segregating patients with flu-like illnesses. Their normal source of income, which is patients who come in, even though what the patients pay is minimal, they don't have that income also to sure. buy stuff for, you know. So they're, they're working in really hard situations. So just pray for courage, pray for stamina, pray for provision, all of those things. So Yeah, and I'll also include the link. Um, I'm guessing what you sent me, they had a link for that uh, meal pack they're trying to get out to people yeah, as well. Yeah, ehausa.org. So, yeah. So the last question I have for you is just, you've already talked about action steps, but is there anything else you'd like to conclude with kind of like some sort of takeaway or so that people that are listening to this podcast, if they're hearing this and wanting to do something, how can they step into this or help out in some way? One of the ways is definitely go to the website, read up about this organization and what it does uh, so they can pray specifically for the organization. One of the things that we did at Elmbrook a few years ago was we adopted a doctor and we supported this doctor and we came alongside. So, you know, you could do something like that or adopt a hospital. Uh, Mm -hmm. Actually, our uh, doctors, Doug Lindbergh and Ted McKinney, both worked at EHA hospitals at one point of time. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, we've, we've got a long connection here. Adopt a hospital or, you know, or... And pray for for that hospital, pray for that region of India, pray for that hospital, pray for the doctors. You know, you have a couple of doctors dealing with millions of people. It's it's overwhelming. Anything in India is overwhelming. But pray that they will have space to not just stop with medical work, but will continue uh, the vision of reaching India for Jesus through this, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, pray for that and pray for people to come alongside them who would do that. And then if God leads them, go, go visit one of these hospitals and uh, see what God's doing there. Well, you're intriguing me and now I want to go. <laughs> well, you, we've sent quite a few people. So Elmbrook has sent a, a number of people over there to those hospitals. So Well, great. It's been great talking with you. I learned a lot. I hope everyone listening to this is also learning a lot as well. And it's really cool to just hear the rich history that Elmbrook was able to be part of this and be part of what God was doing through these hospitals in India. Mm -hmm. That's a... It's a big deal. And it also is something that isn't just history. It's happening right now. And these hospitals are on the cutting edge of trying to figure out what to do in this crazy time. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in this podcast. I had a great time talking to Shantani and I learned a lot about India and about the Emanuel Hospital Association that I didn't know previously. And I'm guessing many of you did as well. So as uh, we're wrapping up this podcast, I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about where the situation is in India and the Manual Hospital is today. So today is August 4th, just for context. The last update that the Manual Hospital had is they said that India has finally crossed the 1.5 million mark of COVID cases, and they're currently adding 50,000 cases a day. So it's really quite scary, honestly, in India, and Emanuel Hospital is still doing 
the $27 to feed a family. Um, if you go on their website, which is ehausa.org, uh, and then go to their uh, coronavirus response, which is on the very top of the page, you can see and read all about that. So it's just really cool for me that we get to be part of partnering, co-laboring with the Manual Hospital Association and what God is doing is in India. Because obviously it's horrifically tragic what's going on right now with just so many people's lives being thrown up in the air, one by the virus, but two by the economic implications of just shutting down a country and now trying to reopen a country. And who knows what's gonna happen next or where we're gonna even be at by the time this podcast is actually released. And in conclusion, I just wanted to remind us that we need to continue to learn from our brothers and sisters who are in different hemispheres than us, who are in different cultures than us. They have different perspectives on some of the things that are happening right now in the world and also have an expanded view on God that's different than what we have. And that's what God wants. He wants us to have that expanded view. There's a reason why God wants to have every tribe, tongue, and nation at the throne because everyone can see him a little differently, see a different part of him. And for us to not look to what our brothers and sisters are seeing right now and not try to learn from their theological understanding of current events, um, I don't think is right. So finally, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of What in the World. I had a great time talking to Shantani. I'm excited for our future interviews. We're going to be talking Bible translation. We're going to be talking uh, the history of the church in Milwaukee and many, many other things moving forward. So once again, just reminding you guys, please share this podcast and also shoot me ideas of what you would like me to do in future podcasts. Obviously, I have tons of great history and people to pull from to get stories, but I want to hear from you guys. What do you want to hear? This has been What in the World.